midnight, bringing darkness instead of light. Great. Blood sucking pretty much. Well, sometimes that is better. There's no turning back now. What's up, you guys? Welcome back. This is Off the Press episode 12. I'm Blake, your host, as always. And uh, I've been off for a little while. Uh, there was no episode last week because I was on vacation. I was in New Orleans. Um, that was my first time ever checking out New Orleans. I've never been down there before. And uh, it was a lot of fun. There was some cool stuff there. Uh, people, New Orleans in general, likes its spooky shit. So there's some cool stuff that uh, I got to see. We did a really cool ghost tour. Um, got to see some of the haunted spots around the city. I know that's like a really touristy thing to do, but I, I love doing corny touristy shit. <laughs> um, ghost tours. I love ghost tours. And, uh, this one was really good. There were a lot of cool places. And, uh, the other thing that I definitely wanted to mention and talk about was the museum of death, which was one of my like top of my list places to go while I was there. So it was cool to get a chance to check that out. I know that the original one is in Hollywood, which I've never been to. I've never been to Hollywood or California for that matter, which is weird. But the New Orleans Museum of Death was really cool. I'm sure the Hollywood one's probably bigger and probably has cooler stuff, but they had some cool stuff at the New Orleans one too. A lot of cool true crime stuff. They have like a lot of serial killer um, memorabilia and like artifacts. Like they have some of John Wayne Gacy's paintings there. They have letters that like Charles Manson wrote and, and tons of letters. They have a lot of serial killer letters there. There was one in particular that was a letter um, that Albert Fish wrote to the parents of one of his victims. If you don't know Albert Fish, he was uh, a cannibal who murdered children and, um, the letter that they have there that he sent to the parents of one of the children that he had murdered and eaten is was crazy disturbing. <laughs> and I'm pretty well versed in like serial killer stuff just from like reading books and everything. And I didn't think that that kind of stuff really would bother me. But that was a really disturbing read. And it was it was interesting. So it was cool to to see that. And other than that, it was just a fun trip. So uh, I'm glad to be back now doing the podcast again. And uh, we got some stuff to talk about. And I know that this is technically a a horror podcast. However, uh, pretty much none of these topics are really that horror related. Maybe a little bit, but uh, not much been going on with horror movies lately. I mean, we got we keep getting like these uh, little updates of like the new child's play movie and that's cool and all, but I just, I don't know. I'm not into it so far. They, they really haven't done anything to convince me to see this movie. I guess if, if the promotional material in the trailer that we've seen so far is supposed to hook me in, then I'm not hooked. I'm not, I'm not into it. Nothing about it really is standing out to me right now. And that's pretty much all that has been going on with horror lately as far as you know new movies coming out or or things to talk about it's really all been child's play lately there's not much else going on right now so 
other than that, which I, I don't really even have much to say about, there's not much to talk about. So these are some, you know, non-horror topics exactly in that they're not about horror movies, but they're things I wanted to talk about. And the first of those things is Avengers Endgame. Everybody knows about this movie. Can't not talk about it because it's what everybody's talking about. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. If you're, you know, a superhero movie fan, I assume you've already seen it by now. But if you haven't, for a change, I actually don't really have any spoilers to mention because I'm not necessarily planning on talking about uh, what I liked about the movie or, or reviewing the movie. I really just wanted to talk about the movie, if that makes sense, about the idea and like the the significance of the movie, because I think that this movie is super, super important. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a movie like this before in terms of not only the scale of the film itself within its own universe, but the importance and the impact of this movie in the real world, in in cinema, you know? I, I don't think that we'll ever see a movie like this again because Avengers Endgame is the result of 11 years of filmmaking, of world building, of storytelling, of character development, and it's all finally coming to a conclusion. And I, I really can't think of another time when something like that has happened. You know, there's like, I was trying to think to myself, like, what is the comparison? And the closest that I can think of is like going back to like eighties horror franchises, like Freddy or Jason. And, and those aren't really, those aren't movies that tell a continuing story in the way that superhero movies are. So while those movies were around for a very long time and they have a ton of installments, none as many as the Marvel movies, of course, but those are huge franchises with central characters that people cared about and still do care about I don't even think that is comparable and I know like Star Wars Lord of the Rings like these are big franchise movies but I think Avengers is way bigger way more um important and that's kind of a uh seems like a a a, a stretch to say that in comparison to Star Wars but we you know, have been living in a world where Star Wars has been around for a very long time and Avengers is currently ongoing. You can go see it in the theater right now. So I think in the long run, these movies are going to be even more important, even more impactful on our culture than Star Wars was or or Lord of the Rings was or Star Trek, whatever, whatever other big franchise you want to mention um, in comparing it to Avengers. I mean, this is the kind of thing that I don't see how it's possible to happen again because, you know, the Marvel Universe sort of started as this small seed in, like, the first Iron Man movie, and uh, it has exploded into something so humongous and so developed that I don't I don't see this happening again because I don't know if they went into the Marvel universe anticipating how big this was going to be or sort of knowing how big this was going to be. But 
afterwards, people are just going to try and imitate this. And I don't think that any franchise will ever be able to capture the lightning in a bottle that Marvel has. You know, I am a comic book fan, not so much anymore as I was, but so I was always sort of interested in the Marvel movies, but people who have never read a comic book in their life are obsessed with Marvel. And that's crazy. You know, it's crazy. The, the way that this has been able to spread so far beyond the source material and really ingrain itself in our culture. And so I think that because of that, you know, Endgame is just a really, really important movie because it is the culmination of everything that Marvel has built, all of the stories they've told, all of the characters they've developed, every single thing having to do with the Marvel Universe sort of comes together in Endgame. And so I think that that can be appreciated even if you're not a fan of superhero movies even if you're if you're just a fan of any kind of movie or interested in movies in any way which I think if you're listening to this podcast you probably are you have to be able to appreciate what Marvel has done for filmmaking and what Avengers Endgame represents in that because modern cinema is different now it is it has changed the landscape you know cinematic universes were not even a thing before marvel came around and basically invented it so to see that all coming to a head and finally closing all these character arcs and closing this story arc and this conflict is really huge and honestly i'm i'm glad that i'm able to see it in my lifetime be able to see, you know, the first Iron Man movie in theaters and just continue to enjoy and and be a part of this experience for 11 years and get, you know, the quote end of it, at least the end of this chapter of Marvel movies, because of course there's still, you know, Spider-Man's coming out. There's still movies to come out. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with the Avengers after this, because I don't think they've announced anything yet, but one humongous chapter of the Marvel universe and of, you know, cinema in general has come to a close with this film. And that's, that's really cool. I think it's amazing. And, um, it's something that should definitely be appreciated. So now that I'm done rambling about that, um, something else that I definitely want to talk about is this new trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog movie, the Sonic movie, whatever. I don't even know what the goddamn movie's called. Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, because it's not good. It's not good at all. <laughs> uh, a, a movie like this... I mean, first, you have to go watch this trailer to, to understand what I'm going to talk about. But a movie like this, that is Sonic the Hedgehog, based on this franchise of, of video games, it walks this weird line between children and adults because it's it's made to appeal to sonic fans i would think who are adults at this point but at the same time it it's a kids movie it's being marketed as a kids movie it looks like a kids movie um so it it might seem a little bit silly to hear all of these adults talking about how a kids movie looks really bad but the adults are really the ones who this movie is aimed at um that's who's going to be paying to see this movie and uh, it's, you know, it's aimed at Sonic fans 
who now maybe want to introduce their kids to the series because it's so, you know, important to them. And and I think it's going to fail miserably at this because they so are not understanding that that is what is going to help this movie succeed. At least based on the trailer, it seems like they are just making every mistake you can make with an adaptation like this. And the main thing, the number one thing that is what everybody is talking about is what Sonic actually looks like, the character design in this movie. And uh, I think it's kind of interesting because we're really seeing how we're really seeing the extreme end of the fact that well thought out character design is in a very important part of visual storytelling, like a movie, you know, so many, so many strange uninformed decisions uh, seem to have been made in this character design. And I think most of the time when you see a movie that has bad character design or a show that has bad character design, it's not something that, sticks out so much it's kind of um subtle in a way in that it's not the first thing you notice but maybe you'll think about it later and say you know that character didn't really look good or or it didn't make sense like the way they looked didn't really complement who the character was but in this case since it is an adaptation we are immediately seeing everybody look at this and being like that does not look good that doesn't look like sonic that doesn't look like it makes any sense, and I don't like it. And so it's kind of interesting. It's it's interesting because I, I personally have been reading a lot about character design lately and, and studying character design a little bit as I, you know, continue to try and improve my own artwork. And so it's interesting to see this trailer coming out right at the time when I happen to be looking into this personally and be able to apply it to this because it really is almost like I feel like they're going to teach this in animation courses, how this is such a poor example of character design. And it's going to be a go to for saying this is what not to do. And I think that um, it's just it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny seeing it because it I don't know what the filmmakers were expecting what the studio was expecting putting this out, but I'm sure that this is not the reaction that they wanted. But in, in talking about the character design, the main thing is that Sonic in this movie very much falls into the uncanny Valley or the concept of the uncanny Valley. And if you don't know what uncanny Valley means, it's, it's when something computer generated is made to look too human. And because of that, it makes you feel uneasy and creeped out and that's that's definitely what we're seeing with the sonic um adaptation and, and what this character looks like because the uncanny valley is it's a really interesting topic that's that's relatively new because of course it, it has to do with computer generated graphics and characters and and um things like that and so it's not something that is necessarily uh talked about a ton or, or understood fully, but it's, it's an interesting concept that in trying to make something too relatable to humans or, or trying to make something look too much like a human, it actually has the reverse effect. And instead of people liking it and, and finding it comfortable that it looks like a human being, 
it's the opposite effect and it's either creepy or weird or just unsettling in some way. And that's definitely the case for this Sonic character. You know, it's, it's just not quite cartoonish enough to be cute or fun or lighthearted. And it makes you feel kind of weird looking at like this humanoid character that's not human, but has these oddly human uh, features and, and, It's just very strange. I'm very, I almost want to like buy whatever like art book they put out for this movie when it comes out because I'm so fascinated to know what the design process actually was like for this character and how they decided to make these decisions because it's baffling, truly. (laughs) And the other interesting thing is that we also have a complete opposite end of the spectrum coming out soon in Detective Pikachu, which seems to be a very well done case of adapting something like a video game or a cartoon or whatever, and it actually working out well in uh, the real space. Because if you haven't seen the new trailer for the Sonic movie, it's a live action movie that has this CGI Sonic character as one of the one of the you know, main characters of the story and interacting with human beings. And we sort of have the exact same case going on with this Pokemon movie, Detective Pikachu. And it's perfect that they're coming out around the same time because they're both trying to do the exact same thing, which is bring an animated character into the realm of live action filmmaking. And one is succeeding, at least, you know, visually, because the movie isn't out yet. So I can't say 100%, but... Detective Pikachu appears to be succeeding visually in bringing these cartoon characters into the real world, whereas Sonic seems to be totally failing and everybody is immediately unhappy with that. Um, So it'll definitely be interesting to see the box office comparison between these two movies because they are similar movies in concept and, and in style. But one, just based just based on trailers, not even based on the movie, already has a lot of people upset. And the other one seems to have everybody excited. I'm excited for Detective Pikachu. I'm definitely going to see that. It's the, it's the movie I wanted to see when I was 11 and, and really into Pokemon, you know? So it's cool to, to be getting that and, and be getting it and it seemingly be well executed. Because at the end of the day... I'm prob I've pretty much already made up my mind that I'm going to enjoy that movie. The story is almost secondary to just the visuals of seeing all of these characters and um watching, you know, that world come to life whereas if you're a Sonic fan feeling the same way, I could see how you'd be really upset by this cuz you're getting the total opposite where you're seeing these characters you love just being really weird and and out of place in the real world so yeah that's that's all I got to say about Sonic we'll see how we'll see how it goes I like Jim Carrey I guess but I don't know movie doesn't look good so far outlook is grim so the last thing that I did want to talk about is Game of Thrones the new episode it's been making huge waves everywhere and so I have to talk about it because I love Game of Thrones And uh, before jumping into actually, oh, well, first of all, 
unlike the unlike when I was talking about the Avengers, there will be spoilers in this. So if you have not seen the newest, if you're not up to date on Game of Thrones, stop now. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about. So if you haven't seen it, now's the time to stop because I am going to spoil the entire episode because I need to talk about it. I need to talk about it in depth because I have a lot of things to say. So <laughs> Game of Thrones new episode. Um, before I actually jump into the episode itself, it's very surprising to me to see so many people around the horror community in particular that are like vehemently not Game of Thrones fans. You know, it's, it's one of those things where at this point you either watch the show and enjoy it, you know, either casually or, or a hardcore fan, or you purposely go out of your way to not watch it and hate on it. You know, the first couple seasons weren't really like this, but kind of just like Marvel and just like the Avengers, it's it's now reached a point of such cultural significance that there's this subset of people who passionately do not like it because everyone else does. And uh, the point I'm trying to make is that is that it's weird to see that with the horror community because I consider Game of Thrones to be probably the best original horror TV we have right now. And what I mean by that is that the horror elements of this fantasy series are so well executed that it ends up being way better than any actual, you know, quote, horror TV show on on TV right now. You look back at my personal favorite episode, Hard Home. Um, I think that was season five, if I'm not mistaken. And it's easily the best piece of zombie cinema or TV or whatever that we've seen in a long time, you know, forget walking dead because that show sucks. Now, uh, watch game of Thrones. If you want zombies, because they are, their execution of zombies has been perfect. As, in, as far as, uh, my own opinion, I, I love the way that they've taken this horror trope of the undead and like the army of the undead and, and brought it into this fantasy world and been able to make it scary. You know, there's, there's a lot of really amazing tense moments that are really horror influenced or horror heavy. And, um, it's cool to see that it's, it's better than a lot of the things that are purposely trying to scare you that are out there right now. And it doesn't really surprise me because, uh, George RR Martin, who, who wrote the, uh, the books and is involved with the show started out writing horror books. He has, he has a book about vampires. He has, Pretty sure he has like a post-apocalyptic book too before Game of Thrones really blew up. That's kind of uh, what he did. He was he was a horror writer. And, and so you can definitely see that in this series, in this heavy fantasy series. You get lots of shades of George R.R. R. Martin's horror experience and his, his obvious um, love of horror of the genre. So now to actually talk about this new episode. Because I'm still, I'm undecided on how I feel about it. I, I've i read all of the books. I love the books. I've been watching the show since season one. And as an episode of the show, it was fine. Um, I mean, the main thing that also I need to talk about is what was up with the cinematography in this episode. I literally, I watched it. I watched the episode first on cable because I, that's how I always watch it. I I have HBO and I I like to watch the episode when it's on and I couldn't see anything on my TV. 
it was like the the entire episode, every battle scene in the dark was a complete pixelated blur. And I was so confused thinking, oh, shit, like my TV's starting to crap out. But then, like, I literally got a text from a friend of mine mid episode saying, like, can you see anything? Because I can't see anything. Is this supposed to be like this? And so I was like, OK, so it's not just me. Um, So I was like, did they do this on purpose? Are you not supposed to see anything? And. At first, I was like, okay, like, it's dark, you're not supposed to see anything, but as the episode went on, I was like, wait, I literally cannot see a single thing the whole episode. I thought it was going to be, like, a moment or two where it's supposed to be dark and, like, it's ominous, you're not supposed to see because the characters can't really see, but as it went on and I couldn't see anything, I realized, wait, this is not, this is not right, and so I watched the whole episode and, you know saw everything that happened, but was still a little bit confused. And then later that same night, I watched it again on the external monitor that I use for my laptop. And it was crystal clear. I could see everything. It was not pixelated. It was not too dark. It was perfect. And I was so confused because my first viewing, I missed out on so many cool things that were happening in this episode. There were so many cool visual moments, like in particular, one that I really like wish that I had seen the first time around was the scene where um, the the Unsullied are all on the battlefield and they're standing there and this like wave of zombies comes out of the darkness at them. And on my TV, it was I couldn't see anything. It was pixels. And then I watched it on my on my computer and it was it was gorgeous. It was such a cool scene and it was so perfect and creepy and just you really felt the impact of what was going on and if you watch it on a tv you totally didn't get that so afterwards like I went and I went tried to look it up online to see if other people had this problem because everybody else had to have had it too if like me and another person who was somewhere else was having it and it seems like some people were saying that it had to do with like your tv display or like calibrating your display or whatever and it was like oh well I could see it fine on my 4k tv and honestly I think that's bullshit you should I've never in the whole time I've owned this tv that I watched it on I have never had a problem watching anything no movie no tv show has ever given me a problem and yet this one single episode of game of thrones is what is going to tell me that I need a new TV. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That doesn't make any sense. So I don't know what was going on. I've heard things about the compression of the episode because I didn't mind that things were happening in the dark, but it was that it was pixelated and blurry and it clearly was not supposed to be. I get that the battle took place at night, but I was basically watching a blank screen for most of the fucking episode. And that is so ridiculous to me that the only explanation people can offer is, oh, well, you should buy a new 4K TV. It's like, I'm not buying a 4K TV because one episode of Game of Thrones was fucking, you know, shot in the dark and and compressed really shitty by HBO. That's that's just ridiculous. And that's a, that's a bullshit excuse for the network or the cinematographer, whoever, to fall back on that and say, oh, well, you know, you have to have a brand new TV to watch one episode. So... Yeah, that just, that had me upset, but outside of that, I'm done talking about that, um, I think that 
as a self-contained episode of the show. It was a it was a good episode. It was fun. It was fun to watch. It was well directed. Um, when it was over, I really felt that like wow feeling of you know when you finish something crazy that you've just watched something that was really important to whatever show or series you're watching. I definitely felt that, and I was just like holy shit. But where my troubles with the episode really come in are the episode as a part of the whole series because as a self-contained episode as a part of this season sure it was good it was great it was it was the best episode this season so far because the other two were really just leading up to this one but as far as the lore and the story it was a not it was not a good episode in terms of that and my main complaint is that this episode it it didn't feel like Game of Thrones to me. It was almost like out of place and it almost felt like like fan fiction or like something that like as you're talking to one of your friends might come up with this idea that this is what's going to happen and you're like, eh, that's fine, but I really hope that that's not how it goes. And this was this was the first time where it felt super obvious to me that we've moved past George R.R. R. Martin writing the show and are now or writing the books that the show is based on, and are now watching a super successful TV show written by TV writers. And what I mean by that is that when George R.R. R. Martin was writing this, he was purposely subverting a lot of the common tropes of fantasy and sci-fi, and, and not just doing a heroes versus villains format of, you know, good versus evil, and black and white, and, and you know, none of the villains in Game of Thrones are evil just for the sake of being evil. You know, you look at Joffrey, you look at Cersei, and these characters have motivation and they have depth, and they they do, quote, evil things in a way that has some kind of uh, benefit either to them or to others around them, and you can see, you can put yourself in their shoes and sort of almost understand their decisions however cruel they may be and I think that that's really the strength of Game of Thrones that's what makes it such a watchable show and makes it so addicting is like you really it's really unpredictable because you don't always know all of these characters motivations but you know that everything they do is motivated by something and it has some place in their plan for themselves or for the people around them they care about that they want to benefit because this idea of evil for evil's sake is a major gigantic trope of fantasy and sci-fi and that's sort of not what game of thrones was supposed to be it was not supposed to be a tropey cliche fantasy series that's kind of the exact opposite of what it was supposed to be i i mean i don't know if he's ever said this in interviews or whatever, but it seems as though George R. R. Martin was going out of his way to write this in a way that was not that. And if this is really the end of the Night King and the White Walkers, if that's the conclusion that we get, it means that it was all just an evil force with no motivation other than being evil. You know, no motivation other than just this series needs a big antagonist uh, and you know, the heroes are going to have to defeat them. And and that's just, that's out of place in Game of Thrones to me. You know, there there needs to be some purpose 
to this supernatural force outside of just that the show needed a big bad guy, you know, that the show needed its Sauron or the show needed its Darth Vader. Um, and the, it just felt out of place. It felt, it felt wrong to me as someone who's, who's, you know, been a fan of this show in this universe for so long. This didn't seem to fit, you know, this hero character defeating the big bad guy, uh, while he does this very cliche thing of like stopping and, and pausing before, you know, doing the thing that his entire character was supposed to do, you know, it's like he's, he gets there to kill Bran and like all of his guys stop and he approaches him alone and like walks up to him and stands there for a second and stares at him. And then she jumps out and, you know, kills him that it almost felt like a parody. Like that was so silly. It was like, that's like the most classic trope of all is the villain, you know, explaining their plan before, carrying it out or, or stopping to gloat for a second before just killing the person they're trying to kill. Uh, there was just nothing really unpredictable about this episode. And, and that felt off to me. And while, you know, I'm not super upset that Arya was the one to kill the night King. We've also now ab completely abandoned the, you know, Lord of light, uh, prophecy thing the Azor Ahai, I think that's how you say it. The the whole prophecy that uh, the Red Witch is following, you know, that that's all meaningless now. John is a meaningless character who now was brought back to the dead for no reason. If if this is the end, you know, I mean, I'm saying all of these things because the series isn't over yet. We still have three more episodes, and there's still a lot that can happen. But if that's the end of the white walkers and we're not going to go any deeper into those characters and learn anything more about them then it also sort of negates a lot of things that have been big moments in the show you know Jon Snow he he doesn't want to sit on the iron throne he doesn't want to be king and he's brought back from the dead by this by a priestess of the lord of light to fulfill some important purpose beyond Westeros politics so what was it? If it's not killing the Night King, then I don't get what his purpose is or, or why he was ever brought back from the dead, you know, because you could say, oh, well, he had to warn everybody about the, the White Walkers coming, but they would have seen, they would have known they were coming when they started, you know, killing people and coming south of the wall. So I don't know. I, I don't, I'm confused about what the purpose of this character was then, because we have three episodes left. And just based on how the show typically goes, we had the big battle episode three. Episode four this upcoming week will be the aftermath of that. You know, them talking about how many people have died, figuring out um, where to go from here. And we'll probably end with the preparation for uh, invading King's Landing and, and going after Cersei. Then after that, Episode five will probably be the battle, you know, the King's Landing battle and the conclusion to Cersei's story and, and all of those characters. And then the last episode is going to be the aftermath of that and like the final conclusion to the series. And I don't see any time in there to really give people like me what they have spent all of this time waiting for all of these years and all of these seasons of the show, 
they all kind of, uh, I don't know. They feel a little bit meaningless. I'm sort of getting, uh, I'm getting the same feeling as like Castle Rock. If, if you never watched Castle Rock, it was a show based on Stephen King's work and it's known for pretty much anybody who watched it. This entire fandom was super, super strong while the show was going and everybody loved it. Everybody was so excited about the next week. And then the conclusion of the show almost completely destroyed the, the entire fan base. People hated it after they saw the end because nothing was explained. There was all of this backstory, all of this lore, and you're you're waiting. You're like, oh my god, what's going to happen? People are theorizing on on Reddit and on on all over these places on the internet, and then the ending came, and it was so ambiguous and so so like dodgy of the things that the fans wanted that. People were so upset that I I don't think there's anybody that right now would would recommend somebody go watch Castle Rock. And I don't know who's going to watch the second season that they're filming right now because it was so it was such a bad conclusion to so much important build up and enjoyable build up that it almost completely destroyed that franchise for people. And I'm very worried that the same thing is going to happen with Game of Thrones, you know. Like I said, it just it it almost feels like the season is going backwards because it seems odd to me that the big battle of the series is going to be the one against Cersei for the Iron Throne and not against the army of the dead for the survival of humanity. You know, it sort of feels out of order. And I don't I really I don't know why they went with six episodes. I feel like. Like I said, I'm worried that this isn't enough time. I'm worried that we're no, nobody's going to get what they wanted out of this show because they're really rushing this conclusion and they did they you know, they spent all this time seasons and seasons of filling in this world and building this world and building this lore and so much of Game of Thrones is about prophecy and foreshadowing that ends up coming true you know that happens so many times throughout the series that it's sort of what you expect or at least you understand that things are going to have big payoffs if you are patient and if you really put in the time to understand what's going on and I'm worried that that is not what we're going to get with Game of Thrones and so as a huge fan of the series, it has me worried. <laughs> um, and I think that's pretty much it. You know, like I said, I'm just worried about this Castle Rock type of ending where we're not going to get any of the any of the explanations that I feel as though not we're owed because, you know, I don't believe that necessarily um, artists or writers or creators owe anything to their fans or readers or whatever. But I'm just worried that it's going to just end and it's not going to be impactful. You know, it's, I spent the beginning of this episode talking about Avengers Endgame, And I would say that that is so the right way to end big character arcs and big stories. And I'm worried that, you know, it's seeming more and more with these episodes that that's not what we're going to get with game of Thrones. And, you know, game of Thrones is in terms of scale and, and even cultural impact just about on par with, with the Marvel uh, universe. And so I hope I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I'm hoping that these last three episodes really 
uh, you know, get things going and, and we learn some things. I don't know how at this point because, you know, the White Walkers are gone and the Night King is dead. And I don't necessarily want to see, you know, the Night King come back or anything, but because that would be kind of corny too. But I just kind of, I, I my hope is that is that Bran will be important because the whole episode he's he's warging and we see like for a minute that he's in the Ravens and he flies past the Night King and then the entire rest of the episode happens and the very end when the Night King approaches him is when he stops. So what was he doing during that time? Because it seemingly was a long time that he was quote unquote gone. So I'm hoping that we get some more information about that and it wasn't just lazy writing you know, it'd be really silly to think that this whole battle, Bran is just out in the forest flying around, you know, meaningless, eating acorns. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. But that's pretty much it for this week. That's pretty much it for this episode. Um, this one's kind of long because I feel like I ranted a lot in this, but I had a lot of things to talk about. And uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did. Let me know on Instagram. Leave the show a uh, a good review if you enjoy it. And uh, check back next week for some more. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Bye. Sam Hain. It means the Lord of the Dead. The end of summer. The festival of Sam Hain. October 31st.